Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nahum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program. Turn 
JM in the AM. There we go. Yeah, we'll get to the Yaakov Shweki song. Don't worry. That I can guarantee you. <laughs> JM in the AM. Welcome to a Monday. For a lot of people here in the United States and the world, it is a uh, legal holiday and a lot of people are off. Uh, then again, for a lot of people uh, around the world who tend to tune into this broadcast, they are, in fact, um, not getting off or taking the day off or maybe even specifically working today. And therefore, uh, we get to welcome them here at the JM and the AM. And I thank them. And I'm, by the way, even if you are on vacation, even if you are taking the weekend off, even if you are taking the week off, I thank you for uh, schlepping us along no matter where you are and letting JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network keep you company. Someone just commented to me uh, within the last half hour on our telephone how amazing it is that uh, we're able to provide this type of programming 24 hours a day this time of year. Because this time of year, not everybody's comfortable with the uh, programming of uh, radio stations and and the like uh, of the mass media. So Baruch Hashem, we are here. In the 8 o'clock hour this morning, or by Gil Student, or by Gil Student on his way to Bialystoker Synagogue for a, a legal holiday year. He'll be joining us here in the 8 o'clock hour this morning. Looking forward to that. Uh, here at JM in the AM. When is the um, Simcha Liner is expected in studio? I'm trying to think if it's tomorrow or if it's uh, Wednesday. Uh, Simcha Liner, Wednesday morning in the 8 o'clock hour. There we go. Simcha Liner, Wednesday morning in the 8 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM. A new music alert Wednesday. Looking forward to that. RJ2 had Rachem. You heard Rokdim Halayla. That was Amram Adar. David Gabe had Hatov off of Shirei Pinchas, volume number three. Rakla Hodot, brand new Micha Gammerman. Simcha Leiner, there he is with Marakade. Masacha Hashem, our Monday morning theme song. That's Mayor Sherman. Saw Mayor uh, Saturday night at the Manhattan Day School. Father Samalava Malka did a great job. Shlaimi Dax, everybody there did a great job. And Regesh Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Monday on this December the 25th of 2017, getting toward the end of the year 2017. Day 7 in the month of Teves, the year 5778. <coughs> excuse me, this coming Thursday is a fast day. Yeah, this coming Thursday is a fast day. 35 degrees outside with 95% humidity. Winds are west, 7 miles an hour. Morning rain and snow and wind. Well, we did have rain. I don't think we're really going to have snow uh, here in this area. High today, 41. Then tonight, mostly clear, a low 26. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 32. Right now, Yerushalayim is at 49. We're at 35. Yerushalayim is only at 49? Wow. We're at 35 here in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. 26 minutes before 7 o'clock. Good morning, everybody from around the world. Thanks so much for tuning in. Hey, don't forget, we've got an app, an amazing NSN, Nahum Single Network app, uh, which affords you the opportunity to be in touch with us via something that we call commenting. You, I don't even think we've gotten a comment yet this morning, which is very unusual. You can break that streak and start our comments off by going to the NSN, Nahum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. And uh, commenting away, as we like to say. And those comments will be seen and enjoyed by uh, by countless people out there around the world, that's for sure. It is a Monday morning broadcast by Gil Student in our third hour this morning and plenty more on a Monday as we head back to work and back to school for those who have 
work and school today. Thanks for listening in to JM in the AM. Hey, ah, 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 ah,
I'm with Ellie Marcus and Nigun, Nigun Hasideh Maharash off of Chabad with Moshe Lau for volume number three here at JMNAM. Uh, before that one, you heard uh, Elo Kai from the Thankful album by Shalshelis Jr. Avraim Alavram Fried had Shlachli Koach and uh, Achim Banefesh off of Kamatov. Be positive, that was Lipa and Yaakov Shweki's Inshallah from We Are a Miracle opened up that set. Two minutes before 7 o'clock at America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com. On the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Thanks for joining us. Many people have the day off. Uh, Baruch Hashem. Plenty of people are in school and are in, and are in work today around the world. And I thank you all for tuning in and being part of this great radio experience. That's for sure. And... Um, Rabbi Gill Student will join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Rabbi Gill Student scheduled to join us in the 8 o'clock hour. Mayor Weingarten with the Israel Show coming up at 9 o'clock. Yoni Pollock after further review coming up at um, coming up at um, 10 o'clock Eastern Time. Those are both live shows. As I said last week, I'm hoping that Yoni concentrates on the topic of uh, the New England Patriots getting every call in the world, including every judgment by the umpire or by the uh, referee and the booth, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, (laughs) Um, a lot of events today because of a legal holiday at Kahal B'nai Torah, 2925 Avenue K, starting at 10 a.m., Rav Natal Yeager, Rabbi Shlomo Gottesman, and Rabbi Shlomo Cinnamon We'll be addressing different topics. Um, then there's a one-week kolel, Rabbi Sachi Fried or Moshe Tversky, going on in um, in Congregation Tom Torah, 1966 Ocean Avenue, every day this week from 9 until 5. A bunch of legal holiday programs in a variety of communities around the uh, New York area. I saw Muncie and Lakewood and Flatbush and many others. And then there's a Yarche Kala, uh, Rabbi Reisman, at 9 o'clock on Malachi's Generation. Uh, 10 o'clock, Rabbi Eitan Feiner on Tchias HaMesim and Halacha and Machshava. 11 a.m., Halachas and Ashkafas of Birchas HaMazon with Rabbi Eli Reisman. And Rabbi Fischl Schechter on finally getting out of the Golos this week of Asar Bateves at 12 noon. All those are happening at Goodness Israel of Madison 2122 Avenue S in Brooklyn, New York, beginning with Shacharis at 8 o'clock this morning. So a lot of uh, programs are going on. Take advantage, everybody. In the background, Galit Sal, as we do our news from Israel. Galit Sal, uh, news from Israel is next and plenty more coming up. Rabbi Gil student one hour from now in our studio at JM in the AM before he heads over to the Bialystoker Synagogue for his legal holiday shear. Galit Sal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Monday follows next. We say Boker Tov from JMNAM.
גלי צהל השעה שתיים, כאן תום נשר עם מה שקורה עכשיו. משרד החינוך תוקף את החלטת הסתדרות המורים להשבית את בתי הספר והגנים שבאחריותה ביום רביעי הקרוב. ההחלטה להשבית את המערכת אינה אחראית ופוגעת בציבור התלמידים וההורים. המשרד דאג רק לאחרונה לקדם את שכרם של המורים ולא יאפשר כל פגיעה בציבור. כך משרד החינוך. כתבתנו מיכל ג'ין מציינת כי טרם הוחלט במשרד אם להגיש עתירה נגד הסתדרות המורים כדי למנוע את השביתה. יושב ראש יש עתיד יאיר לפיד אומר היום בתדרוך לתחת תווים המדיניים לא אנהל משא ומתן על ירושלים. עדיף שלא יהיה הסכם מאשר הסכם שכולל את חלוקתה. לפיד הוסיף שכל הסכם מדיני מחייב ויתורים והם יבואו לידי ביטוי בפינוי התנחלויות מבודדות. כתבתנו מדינית אליל שחר מוסיפה כי לפיד התייחס לבעיית הנוכחות הערנית בסוריה. הוא אמר שנתניהו צריך לגבות מרוסיה מחירים ולאיים בערעור משטר אסד אם רוסיה לא תפעל לצמצום הכוחות הערניים בסוריה. עשרות מעובדי ערוץ 20 מפגינים בשעה זו בקריית הממשלה בתל אביב במחאה על מדיניות ההסדרה, הרגולציה, שחונקת לדבריהם את הערוץ ושתביא לסגירתו. כתבתנו שירה נאות שמעה את העיתונאית עירית לינור שעובדת בין היתר בערוץ 20. אין שום גוף תקשורת אלקטרונית שלא מפר את תנאי הרישיון שלו. אנחנו רוצים לא רק להמשיך את קיומו של ערוץ 20, אלא להסיר את הממשלה בתור עורכת ראשית על תכנים של כלי תקשורת. תפנית בחקירת פיצוץ חנות חומרי הבניין ביפו לפני כחודש. שני החשודים בהצתת על מבנה ובגרימת מותם של שלושה בני אדם שוחררו ממעצרם בתנאים מגבילים למעצר בית. ארבעה עצורים בפינוי מבנה לא חוקי במאחז יישוב הדעת בבנימין. כתבתנו בשטחים, כרמל דנגור. מהשעות הבוקר נרשמים עימותים בין עשרות מתנחלים לכוחות הביטחון במהלך פינוי של מבנה בלתי חוקי במאחז יישוב הדעת שמצוי על אדמות מדינה. התושבים טוענים לאלימות מצד המשטרה, ואילו גורמים בגופי הביטחון טוענים שאנשי צבא ושוטרים הותקפו בידי התושבים שגם התבצרו במבנה. עד כה ארבעה נעצרו. בית המשפט העליון בטהרן גזר עונש מוות על מדען שהורשע בריגול לטובת ישראל, כתבנו יותם לחובסקי. המדען, הדוקטור מדרזה ג'לאלי, הודה בטלוויזיה האיראנית שריגל למען ישראל וסיפק מידע למוסד שהוביל לחיסול ארבעה מדעני גרעין איראניים. אשתו של ג'לאלי טענה כי המדען הודה בריגול לאחר שעונה וסירב לשתף פעולה עם המודיעין האיראני. שוודיה שבה התגורר ג'לאלי בעבר, גינתה את עונש המוות שאינו ניתן לערעור. בית הדין לעבודה עצר את השביתה של עובדי מעונות חסות הנוער העומדים בפני פיטורים. במקביל, אומר שר הרווחה חיים כץ, העובדים ייקלטו לעבודה מחדש. כתבנו ניר שוויד. בית הדין הקפיא את שביתת 300 עובדי עמותת עיניו המפעילים מעונות ל-400 בני נוער בסיכון. עובדים שובתים מאתמול בגלל כוונת משרד הרווחה להחליף את מפעיל המעונות ולפטר אותם. במסיבת עיתונאים שערך הבטיח השר כץ כי המשרד יפעל לקלוט את כל העובדים במכרז החדש, ובהמשך כל ההפעלה של המעונות תוחזר למדינה. תחזית מזג האוויר ימשיך להיות קריר והגשם ייפסק. מחר וביום רביעי צפויות הטמפרטורות לעלות בהדרגה. אין החדשות שעורך אייל רבי ספרן.
JM in the AM at nine minutes after seven o'clock. Good morning. It's a Monday on this December the 25th, the 7th of Teves. A lot of people with the day off. A lot of people don't have the day off. Either way, I thank you for listening in and being part of this great radio experience. Rabbi Gill's student uh, <clears throat> joins us in the eight o'clock hour. Looking forward to his, uh, his visit this morning. He is speaking at the Bialystoker Synagogue this morning at 9.30 here on the Lower East Side on the topic of plagiarism. Why the Rishonim could do it, but we can't. <laughs> He'll speak about that coming up. Want to wish a, that, that that's uh, happening at the Bialystoker Synagogue with us. We'll speak about a whole bunch of stuff, I'm sure. Uh, so make sure to be tuned in uh, coming up next hour. Want to wish a Mazel Tov to Avigdor Saflis. Uh, the Bar Mitzvah boy. They celebrated on Shabbos at the Agudas uh, Yisrael on Coney Island Avenue. And uh, yesterday, last night, America's Asimcha in Brooklyn, New York, to uh, Esther and Yitzchak Saflis and the entire Saflis family. And of course, Bar Mitzvah boy Avigdor. We say Mazel Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. Friday, we announced the emergency campaign for the Azan family under the auspices of Rabbi Ozeri. Um, first of all, there's a GoFundMe page, GoFundMe.com. You could search Azan Family Fire Fund. Again, that's GoFundMe.com, Azan Family Fire Fund. You could also make your checks payable to Yad Yosef. Either drop them off at the hat box at 1837 Coney Island Avenue. Or you can mail them to the Arem family, A-R-E-M. They are at 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11210. Now, I'm changing the zip code because we've been informed by somebody we had been announcing a different zip code on Friday. And apparently, the correct zip code is 11210. I hope that I hope that's correct, frankly. Uh, truth is, we can look it up ourselves. We should do that. Um, so that's how you um, that's how you help the Azan family, and of course your help with that is greatly appreciated, as you know, no question about that. Um, on um, on was it Thursday? I think it was Thursday. We announced uh, that we are part of the Douglas Sokoloff Experience this coming Pesach 2018 at the Westin Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. It is as luxurious and incredible as it sounds. It's an amazing way to take a week's vacation and really be. Uh, um, and, and really enjoy an amazing Pesach. Uh, we announced that Rabbi Mayor Soloveitchik is going to be part of the program. Uh, the hotel has just completed a $50 million renovation. All the rooms and suites are brand new. And you're invited to check out the website, SokolovExp.com, S-O-C-L-O-F-E-X-P.com, or dial 1-800-826-5644. Four, five. That's 1-800-826-5645 for information. That's uh, Vegas Pesach 2018 with Douglas Sokloff. We are certainly looking forward to it. More coming up. It is JM in the AM on this Monday morning. Heading back to school and back to work for those who have school and work on this Monday. Here's Owad at JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. Couple of comments. That's Ohad, of course. Couple of comments off of our app, the NSN app, Nachum Single Network app for Android and iPhone. Shalom from your loyal listener in Katsrin. Thank you very much, loyal listener in Katsrin. And listener Devorah says, Nachum, over Shabbat, many synagogues in Israel added special prayers for rain. Though we enjoy the glorious weather, we've only had two days of rain since Sukkot until Shabbat. Well, the country is rejoicing with the blessing of two straight days of rain. Gishmei bracha, made. please God continue. I'm glad to hear that. And I, I wasn't even aware of how dry things were in Israel until someone mentioned it to me last week. So uh, that is welcome news. And of course, you know, for those traveling to Israel this week, and there are a lot of people traveling to Israel this week uh, for vacation week, uh, it's a little bit of a pain, as you can imagine, because uh, we, we are not used to being happy traveling around in wet weather. But as we've experienced so many times, uh, it is a, it is in fact viewed and... Uh, regarded as a tremendous blessing, and everyone has to keep that in mind. Smile through the rain, everybody. 
It is a tremendous blessing for our brothers and sisters in Israel. More coming up. It's JM in the AM.
Great music. That's one of the things we're known for on a JM in the AM Monday with Yismach Melech and Shlomo Katz. Mordechai Shapiro had Machar and Schar Mitzvah. Ohad and Sameach here at JM in the AM. 35 degrees, some rain, some snow, some wind, a high of 41. I don't think we're really getting that snow in this area. Uh, 30, uh, what is it? 49 in Yerushalayim, 35 here in New York City. The most important thing is apparently there's rain 
in the Yerushalayim area, which is welcome news, Baruch Hashem. Let's keep that going. Rabbi Gil Student, TorahMusings.com. Rabbi Gil Student, TorahMusings.com. Expected to join us in the 8 o'clock hour here at JM in the AM on his way to the Bialystoker Synagogue to deliver a lecture this morning for a legal holiday shear. We are looking very much forward to speaking with him coming up at JM in the AM. By the way, don't forget that this is a perfect time of year. Um, a perfect time of year to support us and the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. FJB keeps us going. It's how you support JM and the AM and the Nachum Siegel Network. Those of you who are at your computer or anywhere, you could access fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Please give a year-end donation right now and support us as generously as you can. And, and keep in mind, you can sponsor all or part of a JM and the AM broadcast. Just go for details right now to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org, and we thank you. Rabbi David Goldwasser's words, and here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. The Novi Yecheskel states, The word of Hashem came to me in the ninth year. It was the tenth month, on the tenth of the month. Hashem said, Son of man, Write for yourself the name of this day. The king of Bovel has reached Yerushalayim on this very day. As a result, to commemorate the day of Yechezkel's prophecy, this was concerning the destruction of Yerushalayim, we fast on Asorabeteves, the tenth of Teves. The main Amoyed asks the question, why do we have to fast on Asorabeteves? We learn in Zechariah, that the Jews questioned the need to fast in commemoration of the destruction of the first Beis Amikdash during the time that the second Beis Amikdash was built. Yet, the Talmud notes in Yuma that unlike the first Beis Amikdash, the second Beis Amikdash lacked five important attributes. As such, the solace of the rebuilt second Beis Amikdash was not as complete. B'nai Israel no longer had the Aaron, the Kapiris, the Kruvim, the fire didn't descend from heaven. They no longer had the Urim Vitumim. The divine presence was not the same as in the past. One of the commentaries, the Anaf Yosef, explains that they actually celebrated Tishabov by eating and drinking, but they would also read Megillas Echa, Lamentations, and cry. This would seem to contradict the ruling of our sages that at a time of joy, there should only be joy. For example, we don't eulogize during the days of Cholamoid. Certainly, if Tishabov had been decreed a Yom Simcha, a day of joy, it would be prohibited to cry and mourn. We learn, however, that the joy of Tishabov was intermingled with Tsar, pain and grief. It's related in Tanakh that on the day when the foundation of the second base of Mikdush was laid, all the people burst into a great shout of praise to Hashem. Many raised their voices in shouting for joy. But many of the Zkenim, the Kohanim, the Leviim, the heads of families who had beheld the first temple, wept loudly. Those who had seen the glory of the first Beis Amikdosh realized that the second Beis Amikdosh was not its equivalent, but merely a replica of lesser quality. We say every day in the Shemana Esrei, 
to sound the great shofar, and lift up the banner to gather our exiles. The Mepharshim asked the question, why specifically will the shofar be used for the great redemption? The answer is given because it is the shofar that brought all Jews of all backgrounds closer to Hashem and brought them to tshuva over all the millennia. It is in the schus of all those that did tshuva, all those that have returned to Judaism, that the future Geula will come. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day.
Shame in the AM, that's Yidl. Alachas Kama Vakama, the name of that selection. 739, 21 minutes before 8 o'clock on this Monday. Hello, everybody. Rabbi Gill, students going to be joining us coming up here at JM in the AM in the 8 o'clock hour. Mazel tov to Avigdor Saflis and to Esther and Rabitzchuk Saflis on the big bar mitzvah last night and this past Shabbos in Brooklyn, New York. Mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. The Douglas Sokolov experience has been announced for Pesach 2018, the Weston Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. Uh, phone number for information, 1-800-826-5645, 1-800-826-5645. It's going to be a pretty amazing Pesach experience, so make sure to check it out. Uh, Bialystoker Synagogue this morning on the Lower East Side, starting at 930 Presents are by Gill's student on the topic of plagiarism, why the Rishonim could do it, but we can't. Rabbi Gill's student will stop here at our studio 8 o'clock this morning before his appearance at the Bialystoker Synagogue. We are very much looking forward to it. More coming up. Brand new Micha Gammerman. Bye. 
מלחמות קשות, רדיפות כואבות, בכל זמן, בכל מקום. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. עלילות שקרים, צוררים קשים, שרוצים רק להרוס. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח אוויר וניצח. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. השנאה תיפול, הגינה תחתור, ויגידו אז בקור. עברנו את פרעה, נעבור גם את זה. אז נצא כולנו יחד לחובות העיר, ניקח אביב 
מלכים גדולים, מדינות ענק, אימפריות כה גדולות, כמעט שנעלמו, ואנחנו עוד כאן. כך אלפי שנים מעטים מורבים, ואין ספר של ניסים. עם ישראל חי, אנחנו עוד כאן. אנחנו עוד כאן. עוד אין השם, עוד אני עוצר עכשיו לחשוב כמה פעמים אמרתי תודה בחסדך אתה ליווית אותי גם כשהכל היה חשוך ונורא לא התייאשתי וידעתי שיש לי תמיד על מי לסמוך והתפללתי והאמנתי שגם אם אצולות אותי תמשוך. אין עוד מלבדו, אין עוד מלבדו, אין עוד מלבדו בעולם כולו. אין עוד מלבדו, אין עוד מלבדו, אין עוד מלבדו בעולם כולו. אין עוד מלבדו.
jam in the AM with the New York Boys Choir. The Who Kaylee is the name of that selection. Album is entitled Minagain, brand new here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that, Bishvili Hakol, that's uh, RJ2 from the Modem album. You heard Enod Milwado, that's Amram Adar uh, from that great uh, CD by the very same name. A minute after 8 o'clock, it is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com, on the NachumSiegel Network, and of course, on the beloved NSN app, coming up at 9 o'clock, Mayor Weingarten, he'll speak about the U.S.-U.N.-Israel-Jerusalem situation, plus the Obama-Hezbollah collusion allegations, plus brand new music from Yoharam Gaon, all on the Israel show, coming up between 9 and 10 Eastern time, right after JM and AM, right here on the Nahum Siegel Network. For those of you in Lower Manhattan, or for those of you who are coming through Lower Manhattan this morning, the Bialystoker Synagogue right here on the Lower East Side has a special legal holiday shewer. Uh, today, 9.30 a.m., being delivered by Rabbi Gil Student, book publisher and pioneer Torah blogger. He runs the Torah Musings website, writes frequently in Jewish newspapers and magazines on issues of halacha and hashkafa. And today, men and women are invited to a, a speech that will include a light breakfast. Uh, the speech is entitled Plagiarism, Why the Rishonim Could Do It, but we can't. Rabbi Gil's students will be, will be at the Bialystoker Synagogue at 9.30 this morning. He is in our studio right now on a JM in the AM Monday. Rabbi Gil's student, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. Good morning, all the listeners. I just want to clarify one thing about yeah. that that cheer that we're going to have. It should be, I, try, I chose the, the title very carefully. I'm sure. And that the Rishonim... The assumption is that the Rishonim were not doing anything wrong, chas v'shalom. Right. And we want to understand why we see what we call today plagiarism very common in their writing, why we see them copying from each other. And that's what I want to think about uh, with the assumption that they didn't do anything wrong, but doesn't mean we could do it. doesn't right. mean if you go to college and you hand in, a, let's say, so Shulchan Aruch, right? So he very often quotes directly from the Rambam word for word, but there are no sources in the Shulchan Aruch. Have you wrote another Sefer with the sources of Beis Yosef? But in the Shulchan Aruch, if you just read it, He's quoting other people without giving attribution. If you do that in college, you'll be expelled. I don't recommend it. But the uh, Shulchan Aruch, who could say that he did he did anything wrong? But I want to try to understand and uh, why what he did uh, we can't do today. And I think I think we have there there there's changes in technology that have caused that. And by technology, I don't mean the beloved NSN app. I'm, <laughs> The print, nice, nice reference. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, and I'm a long. I'm. A, I listen every day. Love the app. Thank you. The printing press started in the 1400s, 1500s, and that changed society. Just right. like the internet is starting to change society now, and I think that had a huge impact on how we understand um, ownership of original material. But but not to take away from your sheer, and we are encouraging people to go across the street to the Bialystoker Synagogue at 9.30 this morning. Uh, because you've said this, it prompts me to ask, uh, isn't it a much older tradition in our tradition than the printing press to give attribution and to make sure to quote somebody if, in fact, you are qu- to quote who you are quoting if, in fact, you're quoting them? Well, a- absolutely. But interestingly enough, if you look in history, uh, the way they did is if you said a chiddush, if you had a new and interesting idea, they were very careful to attribute that to you. But if you just wrote down an explanation, 
you didn't actually say anything interesting. You were just restating the Gemara in your own words, mm. and they didn't consider that interest, interesting at all. That wasn't nothing, anything new. Could be they had the assumption that everybody reading it knew who originally said it. That could be also right. It wasn't until writing became a profession, right. where the words that you write puts food on your table, that the eloquence of your words actually became your own property. Nobody right. considered it that before then. But I don't want to give away everything. Right, Come to course. the year. <laughs> Everyone should be there this morning at 9.30 at the Bialystoker Synagogue. I should also mention that uh, there is a brand new book that Rabbi Gill's student is responsible for. We will talk about the book uh, in a moment. It's called Search Engine, Finding Meaning in Jewish Texts. Uh, volume 1 is going to be released next week, please God. Yes. On Jewish life. And we'll explain what that means and the topics that you, uh, that you um, uh, bring to life, etc. in a moment. Uh, it's a Kodesh Press release, which means you can go to kodeshpress.com, K-O-D-E-S-H, kodeshpress.com, and you could use the following promo code if you're a JMAM listener this morning, and I would hope that the publisher would honor it later in the week as well if you're listening to an archive, uh, if you're listening to us through archive. The promo code is SEARCH30. That's SEARCH, the word SEARCH, and then three zero. SEARCH30, that's the promo code for Rabbi Gill students' brand new book, Search Engine, Finding Meaning in Jewish Text. So you, years ago, started uh, writing on the internet about what I guess we would now call Torah musings, right? Different right. things having to do with Torah. What, what you've done, by the way, in many ways has reminded me, and this is not in, at all a... Um, um, I, I, I'm only saying this to praise you, let's put it that way, because I was a major fan. It reminds me of the RJJ Journal. Do you remember the RJJ Journal? Of course, it's still around. Right, it's still around, which which would take you know different topics, especially a lot of topics that were never addressed before or had not been addressed in the context of modern-day thinking, and uh, and bring different opinions and a whole discussion to light um, uh, you know, for the reader. And in many ways, what you've done in terms of taking topics and you know analyzing them and bringing them to the public is is in many ways reminds me of that which again is a compliment not nothing else i appreciate that i aspire to the quality of the rjj journal interestingly enough i once um in in uh, communication with the former editor rabbi al cohen sure so he he told me that the authors in the rjj journal are not allowed to offer their own opinions unless they're a respected posik they can quote opinions but unless you are someone who deserves or is worthy of having an opinion they don't want to hear it only analysis then that's that's kind of what I try to do on the web also. I'm not someone who should be giving my own opinion on halakhic matters. I just try to explain what other people greater than I have said. I, I consider myself more of a popularizer, simplifying things and putting them in my own format. Interesting. Uh, your book is called Search Engine, and you noted to me um, when you sent me the first few pages of the, uh, of the manuscript that I would find the introduction interesting. And the and, and to me, one of the main topics, and we see this with even with very, very current events in the Jewish world, we see this in my opinion. One of the main topics and one of the main themes of 2017 Judaism is balance, is trying to remain on an even keel, on trying to be uh, uh, to be um, you know in moderation and not necessarily to the extreme. Would you say that that? That that in that in your introduction to this book you touch on that, I I think so. I think it's it's necessary. Otherwise, we would drown in the 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 notifications on our phones with the tweets and the facebooks and the emails and the text messages and the WhatsApp. The WhatsApp just drowns us. <laughs> you know, you have to 
you have to turn off some of those notifications, otherwise you can't function. And it, it, it affects you on Shabbos also. We think, oh, we turn off our technology right. on Shabbos. But if you ne- if you never read to the end of an email because you're just too distracted, on Shabbos, how are you going to read to the end of a Dvar Torah? Right. It's, it's, you don't have the patience. Yeah, you make the point that there's a, uh, a technological boom or an era that we're going through now that is a revolutionary one and in many ways a positive one. But for the reasons you just mentioned, in some ways, it's a negative. Well, it depends. Uh, it's hard to say positive or negative. It's a change. Okay. And um, personally, I, I'm a believer, and I try to do this myself, uh, to try to train myself to read long things just every once in a while cause, so you don't lose that muscle ability. Right. Uh, but realistically, I don't do that too often, and I don't think most people do that too often. And what I try to do is to write for people with a shorter attention span. And sometimes I'm better at that than others. So for... Right. so. Short, and you know, you know who I learned this from? Hmm. He figured this out 30 years ago. Rav Herschel Schechter, if you look at his Hebrew articles, everything is divided into small sections, so it's easy to read. And he's still very out there, very right. technical and, and very, very uh, complex, but he has small sections, and I try to do that also so that you could feel some accomplishment. And instead of saying, oh, I have another 20 pages to the chapter, I have one more page, and then I finish it, and then you can maybe close it and come back. Later and, and many people in the world of publishing, including the editors of the New York Times Sunday Magazine, they've all learned this lesson, and their articles are much shorter than they used to be for the very reason you're pointing out. I mean, you, know, you got to meet people where they are, so to speak, and this is where people are at this point. It, it is, it, and and you know, I'm sure at some point people were complaining, uh, or they actually were when the Shulchan Aruch was published. Right, they were complaining. Well, this is ridiculous. You have to learn the Gemara. Why would you just give feed someone the halacha in a short, condensed form? But now we accept it as a given, and that's normal. Right. And uh, as things change, we have to adjust to the new normal. And I'm not saying we should change the content at mm. all. It's just a matter of format. Well, Rabbi Gill's student is here, and it's interesting. I mentioned balance, and you go straight to the uh, 2017 attitude toward technology, which, as you just pointed out, does require some balance, some moderation, and some awareness by the user of you know just how much they're being inundated with. But when I meant balance in your introduction, I was speaking more about halacha and hashkafa. I was speaking more about... How it seems to me, uh, and to others, I think there are others who are of the same opinion, that we are paying so much attention to halacha, again, to an extent, rightfully so, obviously, it's what guides us 100% of our lives. We pay so much attention to halacha and the minutia of halacha and the detailed explanation of what we are doing and why and uh, attention to the smallest of detail that very often, in my opinion, and others, we will lose track of the overall hashkafa, of the big picture, so to speak. And that, to me, which I thought you you were uh, addressing in your introduction to this book, uh, that, to me, is disturbing and really uh, stifles the collective growth of the Jewish world in our generation. It's, it's interesting. I, I did not expect you to go in that direction, but sometimes you'll hear a shir and never hear the word God or Hashem. Correct. And it just... It, it boggles the mind because that's what it's all about. And what I try to do uh, is to always enter, you know, bring Hashem into the picture. And, and, and why are we doing this? I, I, wrote an, I wrote an article for the web a few years ago, just why we do mitzvot. Going through the different opinions in the Rishonim. This is what the Rambam, the Ramban, this is what it's all about. Right. And, and, and I, those two, the Rambam and the Ramban, like that's primary what they were discussing all the time. And the feedback was overwhelming. People saying, why didn't I learn this in Yeshiva? Oh, yeah. And I said, I don't know. When Soloveitchik, when they started the Kolod and YU, right. he wanted it to be mandatory. It never actually became this. So he wanted it to be mandatory that in the Kolod you have to review all the Rambans on the Parsha. Because this is what the Ramban on the Parsha is all about. And I encourage everybody, 
learn the Ramban. There's so much there. You have to skip some of the Kabbalah stuff. We all, all right. skip it. That's fine. But there's so much there just asking basic questions. Why does Hashem test us? Right. And not just Hashkafa, but if you go through the Ramban, you'll also have a much greater appreciation for Eretz Yisrael and mitzvot that are, you know, that are, I think, according to Ramban, essentially to be done in Eretz Yisrael, right? The reason Absolutely. we do them in Chutz Laaretz is, is, you know, it's another discussion, but primarily they're supposed to be done in Israel. And, um, and on top of that, as you just mentioned, you get a much greater appreciation for how Halacha and Hashkafa you know, work together. I mean, I'll give you an example, and you'll tell me, you know, if I'm, if I'm on the same track as you are or not. When I, when I go to a rabbi, and I say to them, "What was your um, Shabbos Agadol Drasha this week?" You know, the week uh, in April, right, <laughs> or in March. What was your Shabbos Agadol Drasha? And they'll say to me, "Well, we discuss the, you know, the implications of, uh, you know, should you be using charoses." Uh, on the morrow, not on the morrow, you should be eating. You know, that, that, yeah. and, and by the way, th- these are real topics that people do discuss in the Shabbos of Drusha and the you know, measurements, measurements, a very big one, wine and morrow, et cetera, et cetera. And I bemoan and I say to the, and I will then answer the rabbis or when they see that I, you know, <laughs> that I let out a sigh, they'll say, what's wrong? And I said, I, I wish you were Shabbos of Drusha. It is, after all, Erev Pesach, the Chag HaGeula, I wish it dealt a little bit more with Jewish nationalism. I wish it dealt a little bit more with the primary objective of the Jewish people, not to in any way, and I hope people understand that I really mean this, not to in any way minimize how much wine you need for Kiddush. Believe me, I, I'm i also mockbit on you know on having a, 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 coast, a coast that's large enough. But at some point, I would love a rabbi who now has this audience of hundreds of people at a Shabbos Agadol Drusha, which, by the way, a lot of people go to normally don't go to any drushas the whole year, I, w- I wish they would use the opportunity to speak about Jewish nationalism, about Israel, about what we what we now have, about the Jerusalem issue, which is, you know, for those of us who care, is a primary topic. And unfortunately, you know, I think we're in the minority. So when when you talk about balance, or when you mention balance, that's what that's what comes to me. That there are that in in the role of Jewish leadership, there is a there's an objective to transmit important messages to the masses. What are those messages? Now, one rabbi once responded to me. I have to meet my congregation where they are. They're not ready for Jewish nationalism speeches. They're, they are ready for, you know, Karpas speeches. And I'm like, no, but that's, but that's your role. As a leader, that's your role to, to bring them there and to introduce these topics and explain why they're so important. Anyway, that's where I'm coming from when it comes to this topic. That's so interesting. For the past 20 years, I've been in many different shuls. I'm not a shul rabbi, but I've heard many different Shabbos Agadol drushas, Shabbos Shuva drushas, and every time it's always 50-50, half halacha and then half Hashkafa, mm-hmm. or half, but usually it's where people are. So it's about, depending on, my, on the age group, it's about parenting, it's about shalom bias, it's about you know marital uh, happiness, and it's it's about um, education, education. We got it. And and those are all important. And that's where people sure. are. At. I've never heard anything about uh, esoteric ideas like nationalism, but it's very important uh, all mean, the time. It is the it's the holiday that that birthed the Jewish nation. But I have heard drushas about belief in Hashem. Right. The basic concepts of belief, even belief in Torah Sinai. These are all important things for a rabbi to address. It's very difficult for a rabbi to address sometimes. But these are things that should be coming up in our religious conversation. You know, we, we graduated from school, but our education never ends. Right. I'm a student for life, you know. <laughs> Understood. There are some people who who um there are some people who cynically call what we have today bubblegum Judaism where the most important question for people is which bubblegum is kosher, and I understand where they're coming from, that frustration. 
And there's some people who sincerely, and I know this from a from a rabbi who could you know go toe to toe with any Talmudic expert who has said this many times, and you may have heard this quote. Uh, there are rabbis who say, you know, I, I am also concerned about Kosh Shani and Kosh Lishi, right? Legitimate halachic concepts. For those not familiar, ask your local rabbi. But I'm more concerned with the future of the Jewish people. And I think that topic, that second half, is always neglected, especially here. Maybe in Israel it's different. But especially here, I think that the, uh, that the you know, specific um, halachic rulings and uh, and guidelines are vital. I understand. Believe me, I understand the how important they are tra- to our tradition. But sometimes I feel at the other side of that balance, um, making people get the big picture, like you mentioned earlier, with with God, with Hashem being mentioned, getting the big picture. I very often think is neglected. Well, let, let me let me push back a little on sure. this. I give shiurim, and the biggest challenge is keeping people awake. Right. And what you quickly learn is what people respond to and what people don't. So I know many rabbis and many rabbis who come out with all these ideals and they get up and they realize, I can't talk about this. I need to keep people awake. And they shift their topics to how people react. Right. It's like in anything, you, you deal with your customers. You know your audience. So, you know, if, if that's what the shiurim are about, that's probably because that's what people want to hear. I don't know about probably because... I think it may be again a balance between between what the rabbi thinks the community wants and what we really need. But I hear what you're saying. But part I, part of leadership is moving that dial and bringing people slowly over to and, and expanding their horizons. Right. So it's a, it's a challenge. It's it's yeah. very difficult. See, maybe this forum is different, but in many ways, I feel that I've educated people over the years on certain topics, and I don't think po- topics have been beyond people. I don't think it's it, 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 I don't think it's matters that they're not concerned about or interested in. They just didn't know about it. You know, when, I, when I'm when I'm sitting at a hotel on Pesach, and a young woman who's married, um, you know, a couple of years and has just returned from Israel with her husband after a couple of years living there, and she says to me, "I went through four years of whatever school she went, you know, through in 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 this area, in the New York City area, and I was never told there's a mitzvah to live in Israel." When 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 that is the message that she communicates to me, and again, it could be an extreme, an exception, etc. But th- that that's troubling to me, that our that our uh, focus is not on an issue like that, is is startling to me, and that uh, someone could go through four years of high school and not have that experience. I'll give you one more example, by oh, the way. God. I'll give you one more. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> I'll give you one more. Rabbi Gill student this year, and I'm sorry I'm dominating here, but I'm I'm using you as a soundboard. My all my frustrations. I'm I'm able. It's like Torah musings, right? All my frustrations. I can. I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little, but go ahead. Okay, no problem. Example. Um. If we're speaking about Jewish nationalism, you know, and if you're a listener of, of this show, which you've indicated you are, you know my feelings about Aliyah, and even if, if we are not moving to Israel, myself included, to at least keep it in a, in a very prominent position, you know, on our list of priorities. So there was a school that I was involved with that had a program, you know, one Thursday night, they open up some type of program where they invite rabbis, etc. And the topic was, is Yishuv Eretz Yisrael, is living in Israel, a mitzvah or not? That was the topic. So I, of course, was <laughs> infuriated that this would even be proposed as a topic. And they said to me, why are you so, why are you so angry? I said, would you, go, would, you, would you open up your schools, Yeshiva High School, to a topic of is Shamir Shabbos a mitzvah or not? Would you ever do that? I, I said, for me and the background I come from, it is no question that uh, Yeshiva Eretz Yisrael and living in Israel is a mitzvah. No question at all. Would, would, you, would you ever dare 
um, you know, open up the possibility to your students that Shabbos is not a mitzvah, you know, or one that you have to be concerned about, or kashrus is something you shouldn't be concerned about. How could we even? How could we in this forum? I'm not saying it's not a legitimate, um, you know, a philosophical or halachic discussion. But in a school environment, how is it that we could possibly introduce a topic like this to our students, where we're throwing some doubt into their minds about whether, in fact, uh, if Israel is so central to our existence and to our future, certainly, that it's even a question. You wanted I, to respond. So first, I'll reframe what you just said. It, you don't have the afterword to my book, but I actually discussed this a little bit, and that it doesn't matter whether Yishuv Eretz Yisrael is a mitzvah or not. We know that's Hashem's will. Right. It's the prophecies in the Bible. That's what the Bible is all about. So who cares if it's a technical mitzvah or not? We want to do what Hashem wants for us in the world. And that is to move to Israel and to settle the land and to develop a Jewish country there. We know that. That's in the Bible. Just open it up. It's Tanakh. So if we're quibbling about whether it's a mitzvah, whether it's an obligation or it's just a kiyum mitzvah, right. you know, okay, that's interesting. But you got to somewhere stick in there that that's what Hashem wants from us. So don't get, you don't always have to be so detailed. Our goal is to do what Hashem wants from us. Right. And I think that ties into the whole balance thing that we've been talking mm-hmm. about. But I just want to push back a little in that sure. I'm not a high school teacher. You're not a high school teacher. What people think they were taught in high school is very often not what they were taught. Mm. It's their impressions after four years of not paying attention. So what they remember from high school is not necessarily what the teacher has actually taught. If you would t- ask a kid every day when they come home from school, what did you learn? And then two years after high school, ask them what they learned. They'll say, well, nobody ever taught me that. And, and, but they did. They just don't remember it. I barely remember what I learned in high school. Some, some smart person I remember who said, uh, a smart Alec person said, education is what remains after you forget everything you've learned. <laughs> and that's what high school is about, building character, building this desire to do Hashem's will. Right. And I see educators struggling with that and doing many, many ways a very good job. I have so much gratitude to the teachers who taught my kids and helped build into them this Jewish attitude. It's great. Oh, I as well. They, they've, they have a tremendous love of, of Torah learning and Judaism. And, no and, questions that have gratitude to their teachers. And my kids get a lot of hashkafa, a lot right. of musr. People sometimes tune out musr, but if you listen to the musr, that is hashkafa. That is people trying to tell you what Hashem wants from you in this world. It doesn't work for everybody. It works for some people. Uh, but that is part of this education in the general attitudes of what of Judaism and this tradition that we have and the beautiful life that we're supposed to live. Rabbi Gil student is here. I, I want to speak to you for a minute about change in the Jewish world. Um... Sometimes change is, um, is, is completely unwelcome, especially by specific groups in our community, uh, whether it be a change in, in um, uh, education for females in our tradition. Uh, you point out a very interesting change that I've always known but never really thought about in the way we conduct weddings. Right, right? Wedding ceremonies are very different. Uh, I wonder what, if, the, if, if when the wedding ceremony became as different as it used to be compared to what it used to be, and you could describe that in a minute, I'm wondering if there was a lot of pushback, if there was a lot of controversy, because after all, I see now when you try to implement something, you know, whatever it is. I mean, there's so many things that, you know, people try to implement in different parts of our community, try to um, uh, try to uh, uh, bring, you know, to ceremonies and to different events in our lives. I wonder if there was a lot of pushback when all of a sudden the entire wedding procedure from quote unquote engagement through uh, through the entire um, uh, sanctification of the marriage, you know, all happened in one fell swoop under the chuppah. What can you tell us about that? It's, it's fascinating because if you learn the Mish- Mishnah, 
you see that engagement generally took about a year. Right. And, and, and not really engagement, but the first step of the of the of the wedding when you give the ring and say hooray out make kedushasli. That's the first stage of the wedding, and then they'd have months up to a year to prepare for the feast. And during that time, the the husband and wife didn't live together. And then you had the final stage of the wedding, the nisuin, which is when they actually lived together. And then you had the shevabrachos after that. Right. And nowadays we have it all within half an hour. Everything right. happens on stage. It's all at one time. In those days, it was a year apart. So how did this change? So I said about, I, I just started wondering. So I started looking around and I saw that it was a historical development and it was led by people like Rashi. We actually have chuvas from Rashi where he was at a wedding and he directed them exactly how to do it so that you could have uh, the, the Kiddushin and then the Nisuin all at one time. And he seems to say, interestingly enough, and I think this is a lot about how Jewish tradition changes a little bit, it was driven by financial considerations. Mm. You have to throw a party for the first part. You have to throw a party for the second part. That's expensive. Not everyone can afford it. Right. You put it all together, it's one party, much more affordable. Right. Practical. It's, and you know, when it, when it comes to the pocketbook or the wallet, so people are more amenable to change. Right. Consumer-driven. <laughs> yes. And yes, they are much more amenable to change. That's true. Uh, <laughs> and by the way, what's funny, as you describe this, is in many ways we are now heading back to the way it used to be. Because now, on the night or the week of the engagement, there will be a major party that they have to pay for, right? Right. And then a year later or whatever, a number of months later, there will be the actual wedding, which of course you know, is... is Mostly unaffordable <laughs> to, to most. Uh, <laughs> well, that's see, we live in one of the wealthiest societies in history, right. and we're able to do that. Right. But for hundreds of years, we lived impoverished lives, and we weren't. Right. So it's, it should be, you know, to some degree, we should be celebrating that we're returning back to, to some degree, to the way Judaism used to be uh, experienced. Right. Uh, some might also claim, and I did not read this part of your book about Jewish education, but some might also claim that some of the changes in Jewish education, whether it be secular education being introduced into yeshiva, whether it be uh, education for females in our community, also was driven um, by financial considerations, right? Aren't there? Very much so. You know, we, we, we all have to work, and nowadays even females, generally speaking, have to work. Right. Um, but you can't get that training to work without a corresponding level, same level of sophistication in Torah. So it used to be, you know, maybe 12 years old, a boy was sent out to apprentice with, a, you know, to a shoemaker. Uh, that doesn't happen anymore. Right. Now you go on to high school and very often to college. And you to so the Torah education in those days, you were lucky if you knew how to learn Mishnah. Very few people knew how to learn Gemara. Yeshivas were for the elite. But nowadays, so many people go on to college, you need to have a corresponding yeshiva education. And, and that, that enriches everybody in many ways, but it's, it, it introduces new challenges as well. And we're, we've been struggling with that for 100 years, 200 years, right. and we continue to struggle with it. And as that pendulum continues to move, it's also going to be because of financial considerations. We may see less of a percentage of young men in yeshiva, for instance, you know, post-high school, post-college age, um, because we see that, again, you know, they've they got to get into the workforce in order to support their families. The jury isn't out on that yet. Right, right now, kolos are still expanding. Right. Post-high school yeshivas are growing. And Baruch Hashem, you see a lot of boys... Uh, you know, I have boys of that age. Right. They're taking college slowly while they stay in yeshiva. But have you ever addressed the topic of whether kolel is a Jewish concept or not? I, I did. I don't remember if it's in this book or there, not. There are some elderly people in our community who like to point out that it's, in, that it's, a, it's as un-Jewish a concept as, as you can come up with. I, I would take <laughs> issue with that. We know all the way back in the times of the Rishonim there were kolels, but it was for the elite. Right. It was for the people who were going to be rabbis and serving the community. Nowadays it's expanded a lot. 
But really, certainly in America, people people aren't cold for two years, maybe a little more. People who aren't cold for ten years or more very rare in America. That they go out whether they become rabbis, they they become teachers, they become real estate brokers. Uh, it's very rare to see people in Kolo for for more than a short period of time. And and if that's what they're doing, how they're starting their marriage by learning Torah, you know, I say more power to them. If they could do it, great. But you know, eventually we we need a society of workers, and we need a society who can sustain our community. And from what I see, the Kolo community is also growing that way, at least in America. Interesting. Um, Rabbi Gill's student is here on the topic of consumer driven. Uh, and I love pointing these things out sometimes. Uh, I, I always believe by the way, that the, um, that the fact that, and I, and I always say this when I, when I give a public speech, I'll, I'll say to people that, um, if you let me know when there's two minutes left to the speech, I'll give you the treat of letting you know the greatest absurdity in the Jewish world. And they're all, and they're all intrigued, like, wow, you know, we got to pay attention for this, you know? And of course they're all rushing to tell me when it's two minutes left. And I tell them that I believe one of the greatest absurdities, certainly in my circles, that's why I call it the greatest because I'm associated with it, uh, is that, um, one will listen, right? A listener of mine will be more than happy, quote unquote, to listen to rock and roll acapella music, uh, again, quote unquote, during Sphera, but if you play a cantorial selection, a Hartzig, you know, a Dveka style cantorial selection that happens to have piano accompaniment, that they will never listen to during Spheris Omer. And I believe that that's consumer driven. I don't think that, I, I think if we looked at it halachically or how a sensible rabbi would view it, I think they would likely recommend if you're going to listen to one of them, probably go with the, you know, slower, more heart skin again that happens to have you know, a, a musical accompaniment, a, a, you know, piano or some type of accompaniment to it. That's my view. Whether I'm right or wrong, I don't know. I'm not a rabbi. But I always like to point that out. To that end, in terms of things being consumer-driven, when I read your portion of this brand-new book uh, about Shabbos and you ask, when is a kiddish not a kiddish, uh, I would bet that not only those you quoted, but probably the majority of rabbis, I think, and again, you'll tell me if I'm right or wrong, I would think the majority of rabbis would prefer if we didn't have a stand-up kiddish in the back of the shul after davening. That, in fact, after you know davening ended, they would probably prefer that we go to our home, sit down at the table, say the kiddish with the challah in front of us, and then start the meal. Am I right that that's likely true, that they'd prefer that over the, over the other? Halachically, yes. But I live in a community where there's a lot of competition for shuls. Oh, and you need a good kiddish ah, to bring people so in the that's door. That's why I'm saying that the kiddish is consumer driven. That if we were in fact strictly halachic, we would probably defer to the rabbis on this. But because of, like you say, those concerns and frankly the desire to have this social atmosphere that people right. crave, you know, on a Shabbos day, you wanna you wanna be able to do what you can't do during the week, which is get together with your with your friends and have a, you know the ability to speak to them for a while. So I think that's consumer driven. It sounds like you're you're somewhat agreeing with but me. But I want I want to yeah. add one caveat sure. is that history is littered with failed experiments. Not everything that the consumers want are, are, are allowed. And rabbis very often take a stand and say, you got to give no. me a good example of that. Uh, you're putting me on the spot. Yeah, is there a good example I'll of have that? To, I'll have to get back I, to you. Because I've always leaning toward the consumer-driven aspect. By the way, Rashi's uh, supervision of the, you know, the quote-unquote you know, one-shot wedding that we described earlier, again, consumer-driven, may have been a, you know, brought to the people's attention by those who were really concerned about uh, the finances of a wedding. Yeah, I'm, right. not, I'm not sure who started it. It right. could be the rabbi saw there was a problem and said, this is what we should do to fix the problem. Right. Uh, that, that sometimes happens as well. 
Right. I'm, I'm trying to think of of more examples on my end of the of yeah, things, I'm, of things you, that I'm convinced. You have the advantage because you're quick on your toes. I'm I'm a writer. I take my time. I think about it, and I'll I'll have to. But I am it. curious about an effort that was consumer driven that was was quashed uh, by the rabbis that you know couldn't move forward because they felt it was either inappropriate or you know didn't belong in the community. Well, here's here's a bad example. Yeah. In the in the 1980s, you might remember there was a glot yacht. Sure. Um, and the rabbis shut that down. Right. The umbrella of kashrus extended from food to everything else going on in the boat. Right. So there was mixed dancing. Mm. It was a whole social scene. Mm. And the rabbi said, we can't give a right. kashrus hashgacha uh, if there's mixed dancing right. going on on the boat. Right. Uh, and and th- that shut that down. So the right. consumers wanted it, but the Correct. rabbi said no. But that's not a great example because it's oh. very modern. and People complain about it. If you go back to no, but, years. But I think it's a good, I'll tell you why I think it's a good example. Because replace the dancing with more mild activities and more acceptable activities. There are probably kashrus organizations that... Would not give kosher supervision if there, you know, TVs in the in the restaurant or or music playing at certain times, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And that's you know obviously more mild than the issue of of mixed dancing. Uh, but I think that that also might speak to the power of some, if not all, of the kosher organizations that they that they have the ability because of their strength, they have the ability to you know to dictate what is or isn't done in a in a kosher restaurant. They may be stronger than the consumers in that case. Yeah, I, I think I think that. Uh, oh, so here's an example. Mm-hmm. So if you go back to the let's see, around 1840, so there were big changes in the Turkish Empire, the Ottoman Empire, and it created a, a bit of chaos. It was some sort of a taxation revolution and everything. Um, so in the city of Izmir, uh, there there were Christian missionaries who were opened up shop on Shabbos, and they were giving drush sermons, and they were paying people to come, mm-hmm. and Jews loved it. You know, free money. <laughs> it's, it's great. The, so that is a bit of an extreme example. But right. the rabbis put their foot down and said, absolutely not. Some rabbis said, look, we can't do anything. But the, the Rav Chaim Palachi has a chuv on this. He says, that is usr, absolutely not. I'm putting my, anyone who goes there is in cherem. Now, they don't, they didn't, the Jews weren't going there for the Christianity. They were going there for a little cash. Right, payday. Um, and the rabbis still said no. And they, they stopped it. it, it they put an end to it. And maybe that's extreme because it's uh, Christian missionaries. Right. But I got to think of a better example. No, I actually, I like that example. Uh, you know, there Lahavdil, there are people in this neighborhood who are paid to go to Minyanim every day, right. and that is an issue. You know, about the appropriateness of being paid to go to a shul to daven. So, you know, that I'm that I think is okay. You know, Hashem pays us also for for doing mitzvahs. It's a reward. <laughs> so here, so here, are the people who happen to to fall to a uh, into a good situation. They get it here, and they get an olam haba. Win win. Exactly. They they have they're double dipping. <laughs> they're double dipping on their rewards. Rabbi Gill's student is here. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention at least a, a few more times that he has a brand new book which is about to come out. It's called Search Engine: Finding Meaning in Jewish Texts. Volume One is Jewish Life. Uh, Some of the topics that we're discussing today, Jewish education and Shabbos and marriage and Jewish holidays and prayer are all addressed in this book. It's a Kodesh Press release. Kodesh Press is the book. And uh, you could use the uh, promo code SEARCH30 at KodeshPress.com. Again, use the promo code SEARCH30 at the website KodeshPress.com for a By Gill Students brand new book. And you get a discount. Did they mention to me? 30% discount. Oh, nice. Only for... Jamie and the AM listeners. All right, use Search 30 and you get a 30% discount. How could you say no to that? On the brand new book, Search Engine Borough by Gill Student. Today, an hour from now, he appears at the Bialystoker Synagogue for the legal holiday year. 
Uh, that's going to be 9.30 this morning. By the way, your appearance this morning is, is wrapped in controversy, I would say, <laughs> because after all, today is December 25th, and the question is, on December 25th, isn't there a tradition among some Jews that we, we avoid certainly public, if not even private, study of Torah. Am I correct about that? So, uh, about, I think it was a year ago, a year or two years ago, I was invited to speak in at Aguda in, in Flatbush, one of the Agudas, uh, because I couldn't find another speaker because everyone refused to speak. Oh, on December 25th? On December 25th, oh, and it was a Thursday funny. night. Oh, is, oh is the I, I, night's I, even worse, right. So it was a, but it was a Thursday night where they had regular shear. Right. And I said, well, you can't stop a regular shear. Right. I'll go. And then so I, the first half was just me defending my speaking. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you just briefly, I'm a believer there's a brisker general tradition that when it comes to bittel Torah, to failing to learn Torah, we're machmir. Right. So if there's any question, and being strict would would cause people not to learn Torah, then let's just we'll be strict on on learning Torah, and we'll we'll put in the extra Torah. And you right. know what? If Hashem wants to have problems with that, you know <laughs> that that should be the worst of my problems. How did this whole concept seep into Jewish history? The, was it before the Hasidic era began? The theory is that in Eastern Europe, on on this day. It was dangerous to walk around because right. the priests were doing their passion plays right. and getting people worked up, and you could ha- easily have a pogrom. Right. So to go to the base medrash at night, people didn't have svarim in their home. Right. To go to the base medrash at night was dangerous. So you stay home and avoid the dangers. Pikuach nefesh, right? That's common sense. So it's somewhat mythical that the Torah study would be viewed as being done in memory of somebody. That's the theory. Right. I don't know. I can't speak for everything. Right. I can only speak for the more rationalist right. theory, uh, but. If you if you know if you're learning Torah every night of the year, and you need a break, so have a that, break. That's yeah. the night to take a break. Uh, Rabbi Gill, student this year, Lahavdil. What would you say about the, or what would the Briskers say about Torah study on Tisha B'av when we when we try not to uh, certainly not study certain topics, which would because Torah study brings joy to somebody. And we don't want to experience joy on Tisha B'av. Would you be strict and st- sticking to specific topics, or if someone would veer to general Torah topics, you would say, you know what? We're machmir that if you're if you're studying Torah better than Bittel Torah. Baruch Hashem, there's enough we can learn ah. on Tisha. Although I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. Very interesting. I, I still don't understand it. When Salvejik was sitting Shiva, I think maybe for his wife or his, uh, one year he had a big a lot of Shivas, right. and people went to be Menachem Oval to, to to visit him, and he gave complicated shiurim on Hilchos Avelos on the laws, and people left saying, I don't understand how, how could do that. You know, find us Avelos, but you shouldn't be complicated. And what's he doing? And I think the answer is he didn't know how to speak otherwise. <laughs> right. I, 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 I never met him and never heard right. him, but that, that's my assumption. Unbelievable. Um, all right, so you discuss a lot about um, about Jewish law. Um, I jo- uh, you, you have a, um, a chapter on buying clothing during Sphira. Right. Again, viewed as a, as a what? As a custom, as a halacha, as a chumrah. What, how do we view that? A, a lot of Sphira is confusing because people get confused between Sphira and the three weeks. Right. One being much harsher than the other. Right. The three weeks in Tisha B'Av have, uh, and, and the nine days in Tisha B'Av have certain laws and customs about them, and Sphira have different customs. And at th- we're in a stage now where they're all getting intermingled because right. people are confused. Right. So, for example, saying Shechayanu during Sphira, technically there's no problem. Uh, Halachically, there's no problem. But people are confused. And so once people are confused and th- then they start being strict, so that maybe that becomes the minog. So you, you see some post games say it should be strict. Others saying this is nonsense. And other people trying to find some sort of a compromise. You don't want to be doing, in general, you don't want to be doing something strange. You, don't, you know, I have certain piske um, halacha, certain halachic uh, uh, rulings that I received 
that are very different from what everyone in my neighborhood does. Mm -hmm. So I hide them. I don't want anyone to think that I'm doing something strange. And so even even something like buying new clothes, if people think that's strange and it's against halacha, you shouldn't be doing something that makes people think you're doing something wrong. Right. So it's it's a complicated, and, and, and let me tell you, listening to recorded music, right. it's not so simple that you're not allowed to do that during Sphira. Correct. But somehow that developed. So when I was younger, I, I, I would argue maybe even during the three weeks, but that's another discussion, right? When I was younger, I used to listen to, when I was first married, I had little kids. We used to play music throughout the, the sphere and the three weeks. In a private environment, right? Yeah, but as we got older and my kids started going to school, so I decided we should act more like the people around us. And so we became more normal, quote unquote. Right. And, more abnormally normal. <laughs> and that's how Minhagim develop over time. All right. is as Minhag does. That's what I tell people. Right. If that's a Minhag, so do it, you know, Right, but sometimes, okay, how do I put this? I, I'm not, I don't have your job. Your job is much harder. <laughs> but sometimes it seems that at, that more and more of these minhagim, as you describe them, I don't know if that's the appropriate word, but that's the word you used, um, uh, restrict members of the community more and more and more, and I don't know if that is healthy. I don't know if it is a healthy development. I'll give you an example, and I don't know if you've ever addressed this issue. Um. There has, in this past, I would say, generation or two, there has been an effort to encourage people not to repeat words during tefillah. Right, okay. Now, I would argue that some of the most, and, and I would hope that God would view it this way as well, that some of the most beautiful liturgy that we have has only been enhanced by the repetition of words. Now, I will also concede to you or whoever would be on the other side that there has to be, if one is familiar with halacha, certain guidelines about the repetition of words. For instance, I would never repeat a word in the Kaddish because we know the Kaddish is a certain number of words. It's supposed to be treated a certain way. I would never repeat a word in Hallel. We know that it has a first and last bracha and that everything, and we're careful not to speak in the middle of Hallel. So why would I want to you know, add words or play around with that? But when we're taking out the Torah and we have these beautiful songs, liturgical songs that Again, in my opinion, even with Shem Hashem in those phrases, in my opinion, only enhances, makes more beautiful, and 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 creates a a more you know a more positive shul experience for the congregation. I don't know why we have gone ahead and uh, restricted the repetition of words in those circumstances. So well, I I would argue, by the way, that it's just because it's got to be across the board for the reasons you just said. That people are, you know, uncomfortable or unfamiliar, and therefore we just make an ironclad rule, and you know, and Nachum Siegel's unhappy for the rest of his life. But, <laughs> but well, Nachum, you also have to realize there's a generational shift going on, and the old style cantorial singing is does not is not attractive to the younger generation, and they have to find tunes that are still traditional and still faithful to the liturgy, uh, but that still represents the music that you're playing all the time, and it's, it's a challenge because a lot of these tunes are horrible and are completely wrong. Right. And, and But we need a great chazan to modernize chazanos and to bring it to the tunes that are, and you know, maybe Simchalan is a guy, I don't know. Um, we have a lot of really talented chazanim and singers who need to merge those two so that the next generation, my generation, we enjoy chazanos, but sometimes we roll our eyes when it goes too long. Yeah, but the next I'm, generation, they don't know what chazanos is. Right, but I'm not, a, I'm not at issue with, uh, if, if one wanted to restrict a chazan, from repeating words in Shmona Esrei, for instance, or in Kedusha, I get it. I get the, the you know, I, I, I understand something about halacha, and I get that. But when we have um, when we have certain parts of davening, whether it be Kabbalah Shabbos, whether it be what I described, taking out the Torah, you know, 
areas where it, it only enhances it. I, but again, I think there's been this this attitude that it, it's all or nothing. There's been this attitude that you know there's 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 no balance as we bring this conversation full circle. There's no in between. There's no desire to know what you can do and can't do. Let's just restrict as much as possible. Okay, now could I blow your mind for a minute? Please. Please don't get angry. Oh no. <laughs> there's a chuva from a real hill designer, I think from the 1870s. When he he at that time he was basically the biggest postseek or one of the biggest post game in Germany. He had moved from Hungary to Germany. He he had, was in Berlin. He started his yeshiva. He was considered the biggest postseek there. And they asked him about choirs in shuls. Ah, oh, good question. And he said he said first of all, I'm not going to say it's usher. I don't think there's anything usher about it. But I I will not go into a shul with a choir. Number one. But they, he he was asked this Shiloh from one of his students who was a rabbi in a community. He said we don't want to have a choir. Instead, we'll have everybody sing. And he said, whoever heard of such a thing, that's crazy. Absolutely not. Do not let people sing in shul. That's not what shul is about. The chazan sings, period. But over the years, it's become very common. Right. And especially with the young Israel development in the early 1910s. Right, communal singing. They brought that to bring people to shul. It was right. a change. Correct. And if people are changing back to the way it was before the 1870s, I'm not going to complain. It's just normal shifts, generational shifts. If that's what people, if that's what will bring people to shul, when my kids go to my parents' shul and they're singing, their eyes roll and they just they just start twitching. When can I get out of here? Because they don't want that. And you know what? I can deal with it because I grew up that way. I don't like it. So I'm just pining for the good old days, huh? It's a generational thing. And, you know, you and I are becoming dinosaurs. All right. <laughs> Thanks. There's a new generation. They're taking over. Finally, um, what do you think of my geographical theory? Uh, when it comes to halachic decisors, for instance, and I, I, I don't mean this cynically, I mean this uh, seriously, um, but I want to know, as you've analyzed halacha and discussed in all these different articles, if there's anything to it, if circumstance, in your opinion, often or sometimes leads to certain decisions. What do I mean? I sometimes, again, not cynically, point out, because there's a big argument, argument, there's a big discussion on sukkahs, should I ever drink water out of the sukkah? Can I eat out of the sukkah? You know, what what are the guidelines in terms of what you could do out of the sukkah? When it's raining, what can I do, et cetera, et cetera. So there's certain people who, even when it's raining, they won't say leisha of a sukkah, but even when it's raining, will only eat inside the sukkah. You know that, you know that, right? I know what the Gemara says about that, but yep, go ahead. Good. So there's certain people, right, a certain Hasidic sect that I'm thinking of, right. that will even drink water in the sukkah and not out of the sukkah, even when it's raining. Fine. And then there are certain people who, if they are on a subway, right, and there's a slice of pizza on their lap, and it happens to be sukkahs, because there is no sukkah in the New York City subway system, they, and they're hungry, and they like to eat something, they'll make a bracha and eat, because there's no sukkah there, and they'll make a bracha and eat. I off, and, and, and again, and those people, you know, the ones who would do that, are of the opinion that, you know, if there's a sukkah available, obviously I'm going to go and eat in the sukkah. If there's none available, and I, I need a snack, or I want to eat something, I'm going to eat it. And I always joke... Again, only half jokingly. I always <laughs> joke that the decisor, the posake, who poskins the first way, had a sukkah one foot from his house. The decisor who poskins the second way had to travel, you know, half a mile to get to the nearest sukkah. Uh, is there anything to that? Has circ- does circumstance lend itself to these halachic discussions? I, I strongly disagree with that. I'll give really? I'll, this specific case. When I first got married, right. I used to dive in the show of Revival Cohen. He's a Chaim Berliner. Writes halacha svarim, big posek, very strict on a lot of things. And I remember he said, if you're going on a cholamod trip on, on sukkahs and there's no sukkah, just eat. Right. 
he lit. He had a. I, I saw his house. He had a sukkah on his front porch. He never went on a Cholomod trip. <laughs> okay. He was learning the best medrash on Cholomod. Right, okay, I got it. <laughs> but, but but I will tell. I will give you this. There's a difference between theoretical halacha and practical halacha. Theoretical halacha is you're sitting in the base medrash, you're looking at this farm. No one should ever paskin based on theoretical halacha. Right. We have to take the circumstances of each individual into account. And that's what a, a responsible rabbi knows you. You go to your community rabbi, he knows you. He knows where you are in life, where you're going, coming from, where you're going to, and he'll give you a tailored sock that's appropriate for you. And that takes into account the circumstances of where you live, when you live, what you do for a living, What's and how hard it is. So Revival Cohen told me, he told me, I asked him, am I allowed to eat rice, which is Mizonos, right. but it's not one of the grains. Am I allowed to eat that outside of a sukkah? Right. Because one would prefer not to make a Mizonos outside the sukkah. Right. right. And he said, look, technically this doesn't fall under all the Mizonos, right. but Gil, eat it in a sukkah. Because right. he knew me. I was learning right. in Kolal at the right. time. And he said, this is what's right for you. Right. Got it. So it, it's, so I, 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 circumstances are important, but I don't think the... Post-sex individual biases really should take take much of a, a role. Rabbi Gill's student, the book is called Search Engine, Finding Meaning in Jewish Text. Volume 1 is about Jewish life with a lot of the topics we discussed today. I don't think eating the sukkah is one of them, but right, we don't have that in the book, right? No, no. <laughs> I brought that one up. Uh, uh, information, uh, you can go to the website, kodeshpress.com, and remember, use the promo code SEARCH30 for a 30% discount. Use the promo code search 30 for a 30% discount on uh, Search Engine, the brand new book by Gil's student. Uh, that's at kodeshpress.com, kodeshpress.com. And again, in a, about a half hour from now, Rabbi student will be at the Bialystoker Synagogue on the topic of plagiarism. Uh, that's right here on the Lower East Side of Manhattan. Everybody's invited. They are serving a light breakfast, so enjoy that. And I guess we need to ask Mechila from the audience for those who would prefer that we didn't have Torah study on the air on December 25th. <laughs> I guess we have to ask for forgiveness, Rabbi student. Am I right? I'm sure they have CDs they could play. After this program is done, they'll put on their CDs and they'll they'll play chess. <laughs> right. <laughs> or any of the other December 25th customs that have developed in <laughs> Jewish life over the centuries. <laughs> chess is mild compared to some of them, you know. <laughs> I won't go there. Uh, I really appreciate you being here today. I hope you enjoyed this as much as I did. It's great being here in the great studio. Uh, you know, I usually just listen to you on the app, and now I get to see how the magic happens. It's great. <laughs> Thank you very much. And uh, we should speak again because there's so many topics to talk about. Mr. Shem, I have to get back to you anyway on one of our topics. I appreciate that. Didn't even discuss the beginnings of TorahMusings.com. It's .com or .org? .com. TorahMusings.com. Next time we'll talk about how that all started and how Rabbi Gill's student became such a force on the internet. Again, it's TorahMusings.com, TorahMusings.com, uh, KodeshPress.com with the 30% discount. How do you get the 30% discount on the brand new book, Borough by Gill Student? You put the promo code SEARCH30 in the promo code area, SEARCH30 at KodeshPress.com. My thanks are by Gill Student, nine minutes before nine o'clock on this Monday, December the 25th at JM in the AM. <laughs> Katan, 
J.M. in the A.M. That's Simcha Liner. I want to thank her by Gil Student. Had an amazing time with him this morning here at J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Lots to talk about in our tradition, that's for sure. Hey, mazel tov to Avigdor Saflis. Uh, to Esther and Rabbi Yitzchak Saflis. Bar Mitzvah was his past Shabbos and last night in Brooklyn, New York. We say mazel tov from all of us here at J.M. in the A.M. Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show is next. Um, he'll follow up on the U.S.-U.N.-Israel-Jerusalem situation, plus the Obama-Hezbollah collusion allegations, plus a great Israeli music mix, including a brand-new release by Yoram Gaon. All happening with Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show, 9 o'clock this morning, right after J.M. in the A.M. That'll be coming up. Uh, what else do we have here? 
What else do we have here of significance to tell our audience? Oh, a reminder that the, the Douglas Sokoloff experience for uh, Pesach uh, 2018 is coming up this Passover at the Westin Lake Las Vegas Resort and Spa. Um, Doug was here last week. We had a chance to discuss it. And it is uh, really a unique opportunity. The entire hotel is kosher Pesach. It's a great Yontif environment. And you get to enjoy uh, Las Vegas and the entire area. Information, you want to go to the web at the SokoloffExp.com, S-O-C-E-X-P.com. You can also dial 1-800-826-5645. That's 1-800-826-5645. A reminder, there's an emergency campaign for the Azan family that's going on. Everyone's encouraged to support it. The emergency campaign for the Azan family under the auspices of Rabbi David Ozeri. Please do what you can to uh, support it and to be uh, as generous as possible. Um, number one, there's a GoFundMe campaign. GoFundMe.com, search official Azan family fire fund. Uh, also, you can make checks payable to Yad Yosef. Yad Yosef. You can um, drop them off at the hat box, 1837 Coney Island Avenue at Avenue O in Brooklyn, New York. Or you can mail them to the Arem family, A-R-E-M. They're at 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11210. Again, that's the Arem family, A-R-E-M, 1126 East 23rd Street in Brooklyn, 11210. And again, that is uh, checks payable to Yad Yosef to help the uh, Azan family. All righty. What else? Mayor Weingarten is next with the Israel Show and um, Yoni Pollock, Seth Gordon with After Further Review, the World of Sports at 10 o'clock this morning, live here from our. NSN Studios, and uh, let's hope you only spend some time on the, uh, and again, the New England Patriots getting the call, which always happens and drives me crazy. Don't forget, we welcome your year-end contributions to the Foundation for Jewish Broadcasting. Keep JM and the AM and the Nahum Siegel Network going. Make a generous year-end contribution right now by going to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. Please take care of that today, fjbunity.org. Brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com, on the NahumSiegel Network, and of course on the beloved NSN app. My thanks to Rabbi Gil's student. Tomorrow, plenty more here at JM in the AM. Don't forget, Wednesday, Simcha Liner visits JM in the AM, and on Thursday... Ellie Gerstner and Rabbi Judah Michelle Hask, a time for music 31, is scheduled for January 7th on Thursday. With spe- We speak with both of them here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.